open up your books, you bad apples. Hello, everyone. This is the Bad Apple Book Club book podcast. Back with another review today on, as we said through, I'm pretty sure all three parts, the trickiest book I've ever had to read or talk about. Henry James is the turn of the screw. Thank God this is just a review episode because, as I said before, those outlines were uh, a lot to a lot to type out, and you know we're gonna get down to all that stuff later on. Though this is Lucas Nord, and this is Cole Lang, and you know what? Let's just get it out of the way. Cole, tell us beat for beat the entire meaning of the entire story right now, because uh, I'm sure that you understand everything, right? Is that what you've been doing the last week, figuring everything out? You know, when I'm at work, I say, I can't, I can't do work right now. I got to think about what does Henry James want me to think? (laughs) You know, it's just like, Henry, what's going on here? Uh, I don't know what's going on. Um, But yeah, it's a, it's a little mysterious and it's very ambiguous. Uh, We got no answers but I think I don't know. I'm in, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are and if you have any like theories about anything because I sure do. My only question is, what do you want from me, Henry? You know? Yeah. You write this yeah. crazy book. It's very short, but uh, once again, it is without a doubt the toughest thing I've had to ever make my way through yeah like it's short but talk about the shortest long read hey that's a good way to put it yeah it's it's a lot yeah so starting off i guess how would you interpret the ending there like do you how how did that make you think huh maybe i thought you know maybe what i was thinking this whole time was wrong uh, or was it kind of what you're expecting? Um, what what do you think was really going down with the governess and these ghosts? Okay, so to kind of give a rundown of my whole, um, just a real quick rundown of how I viewed the whole story. For the whole first, like, three quarters of it, I would say, maybe even more, I was almost positive that maybe the kids weren't possessed. I'm not even sure that I thought that they were in cahoots with the ghosts of Quentin Jezel, but I definitely thought that they were completely gaslighting her. Um, And then, as we'll recall, right up until the very end... Flora said that she never knew anything about the ghosts, and Miles had referred to Quint. I don't think he referred to him by name, and he didn't even see him at the very tail end when the governess and him were talking, and Quint was peering in through the window, you know. Um, The governess was still referring to him, and she pointed him out and everything, and Miles didn't see him, but he was still calling him a devil or whatever. So he had to at least be aware of him, for sure. But I seriously, I didn't even have any theories going through the whole book because the whole thing just left me so puzzled and I can't even say if that's where I expected it it to end or anything like that, to be completely honest with you. I'm still at a loss and we've been done with the book for over a week now, you know? How about you? Hmm. You know, as we... 
as I've said, you know, I thought I thought it was the governess, uh, just having these projections and everything, and then we got to the end there, and little Miles, you know, he uh, dies from something, you yeah. know, it, it could be the governess just like hugging him so hard that he dies. I don't think that's too likely, though. I think he was just, like, incredibly stressed from something. And maybe with a little bit of supernatural stuff going on, he uh, he sadly moved on. You know, he had big prospects. He, he could have went to college, you know. He could have he been, um, he could have done big things. And it's true. But yeah, he he was just taken away so early. But if I had to guess, one, I guess the way I like to think about it the most is it's a little bit of both. I know it's like, oh, Cole, that's so, you you can't dabble in both parties here. Well, guess what? Um, I'm going to be a centrist with this, I think. Ooh. Yep, I know. That's uh, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Um, but I think that the ghosts were there. I don't think their intentions were that bad. Um, I think Ah. that the ghosts were there. Their presence was there. Maybe the children knew about it, but probably not. And I, I think they were there because the parent or the children don't have any parents and they're very lonely. And it seems like they had a connection with these kids. Um, and then you get the governess and she is, as you said, I was a bit too hard on the governess. I'll, I'll say that she's not too reliable as a narrator. She changes up her story. She makes up some things and, uh, you know, as the book progresses, she is definitely scaring the kids more than the ghosts would ever do. And so I think she's able to see the ghost she arrives there and then she just starts going crazy because she just can't believe you know two people were having sex and uh it was just so crazy to her and she's trying to have you know some type of feeling she's younger she's like straight out of like i don't know high school college and uh she just doesn't know anything about that, so you just get those two mixtures, and yeah, I think I, that's my theory. That's my hot take. Very interesting. So the ghosts were there, but they were not specifically malicious. That's what I think. And then the governess, she's like, you know what? These kids, or these previous servants were having sex, and that's just so crazy to me, and I really want to have sex. But I can't do it with these dang children around. So, yeah, it's just driving me nuts. And we will, of course, remember, you know, it's kind of funny to talk about how ambiguous everything is and uh, all that stuff. But truly, when Gross and the governess were talking about Quint right when the governess learned about him in the first place, all Gross says is that she was, or is that Quint was too free with Miles, whatever that means. But yeah, it could literally just mean that he was just telling him about uh, 
you know, his night out with the boys or something like that, or maybe his relations with Jezel in the first place. It, I mean, your mind can immediately go to the worst thing. And we'll yeah. obviously never know, but yeah, I can definitely specifically just mean that, yeah, maybe he was telling Miles about how him and Jezel had a thing going or something like that. And, you know, that's not, well, I mean, you know, it's not completely innocent, but obviously it isn't as bad as that phrase could go to, obviously. That's really the cool thing about this book is, so Henry James, he leaves a lot of things open-ended for us, but that also tells you a lot more about yourself, like how you interpret these things. Yep. Or when you read this, do you picture everything to mean the worst possible thing it can? Or are you like, oh, too free, you know, he was just, maybe he let him stay up past his bedtime and gave him all the sweets he asked for or something like that. Yep, because the governess, she could hear something, and we know that her mind instantly goes to the worst thing. Yep. Um, and that that's, like, the interesting thing. I think the governess is a very interesting character. I love unreliable narrators. Um, I really think that Henry James did a good job in... Because ghost stories were pretty common, but this one it was, like, I, I feel like groundbreaking because of how ambiguous it is and how mysterious and the ghosts are just aids to the story it's not really about the ghosts it's more there's just a lot to it um there is with the governess like i i just this is a feminist novel henry james we've talked about it he's a little you know he gets in touch with his feminine side very and good. um I, I guess there was a rumor that his um his balls were, like, somehow mutilated from an accident. Oh! But I don't know how true that is. It could have just been, like, this guy, he likes fashion, so we're Yeah, gonna... I was gonna say, back in the day, <laughs> that's all it took. He's a eunuch. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, he, he likes to wear, um, khakis on Sundays. There's something wrong with this dude. Ooh, oh, yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah, like, I I didn't understand, like, how this could be a feminist novel, but the more I think about it, it's like, Governess, she she has good intentions, but, like, you can tell she's from a very helicopter parent household, because that's how she is. That, I just don't think that's a good thing when it comes to, um, because I'm just one of those guys, I think, when it comes to sexual education like yes it needs to be taught and like birth control is important condoms you know those are kind of well getting a little controversial here cole yeah yeah (laughs) that's just a bad apple take right there yeah um (laughs) but i mean it, it shows that you know the more educated you are the less likely you are to have like an std or stuff like that so i think that's good and with the governess it's just like it's almost like um the abstinence approach to sex, which doesn't really work with a lot of people. Um, and, and it just can kind of be deteriorating. And so, yeah, I see it from that aspect, I guess, because she just doesn't know anything 
about growing up it's like it's kind of like holden too you know like it uh. it's kind of scary growing up and uh she's obviously coming of age and yeah i think she's definitely scared of uh what the future has especially when she's watching these children grow up and for anyone that hasn't listened to every single episode of this Cole is of course referring to Holden Caulfield from JD Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye. We covered it a couple months ago. Holy crap, that was actually probably back in November, I think. Whew. Oh yeah. Last year. Wow. Last year. Jeez. Yep. And um now we we're here. It's uh it's May. It, we're we're recording this on Mother's Day, but guess what? We we call our mothers. Uh, we spend time with them. Yeah how how do you think uh, this kind of impacts, or how do you think this kind of like compares to modern Hollywood? Do you like the amb- ambiguity of everything, or um, do you kind of wish everything was more spoon fed to you in the story? The Plain and simple truth of the entire thing, I think, is with any anything in life, um, I guess I can't think of a specific example, but you look up some crazy mystery, you know what I mean? Something that happened in real life, and there is absolutely no answer to it, there never will be, and it's just impossible because it might be because of something found a thousand years ago or something like that. Uh, Like I said, can't really think of a specific example, but you really do want an answer to it. Just because that's human nature, you specifically want to know why things are the way they are or whatever. But the second you get the answer, that really does take any mystique away from anything like that. So it's kind of two sides of the same coin where... I do like, like we were talking about, um, phrases in this book can be taken in many different contexts or whatever, but if we had a straight answer to it, we would obviously come away from this book feeling very differently. So honestly, even though I don't think the book is specifically frustrating in a narrative way, I think that just the whole feeling of it may be a little bit frustrating. I'm still glad we read it and everything, but um, it is very interesting to have everything be so specifically ambiguous for the entire book to not get a single answer to anything. Um, And yeah, like I said, I think that just leaving so much up in the air for the entire thing and providing no closure at all is just as interesting as if there was a perfectly tied bow sitting on top of it at the end, or if, you know, um, different questions were answered through the course of the thing in the first place. So I, uh, I think the mystique is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree. I think my favorite part of this, like I mentioned it, but like it really makes you interpret it and how you interpret it is might tell you more about yourself and i i like that yeah i I can't i can't really think of a book that has made me do that on this level in a very long time so yeah i i definitely i i don't like things spoon fed to me there's a time and a place for it you know yeah for sure like i like 
shows that make me think. I don't like shows that make me feel stupid. I'm a big Lost guy. I like Lost. Oh, that there was you go. pretty fun. Um, and then Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks and The Leftovers. That was really good. Very good show. Um, what did you think about? Hmm. What else? You know what? Hey, that's the perfect question when we're talking about this book. What did you think about? <laughs> yeah. <Aww. laughs> yeah, what did what did you think about um, the whole time you were reading this? I, I yeah. was thinking about how hard the words were. <laughs> what did you What did you think about the feeling you had while you were reading this book? Hmm. Mm. How did I interpret my anger as I was trying to break <laughs> down every sentence of yeah, right. this dang book? Um, yeah, but overall, I did like the book. I did like the book, um, but would I recommend it to somebody that's <laughs> trying to get into gothic horror? Probably <laughs> or not. reading in general. Yeah, oh, or reading You've never... You're not a big reader? Well, hey, let me give you the perfect recommendation, The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. <laughs> Am I going to go to work on Monday, going to every co-worker of mine, asking them about Henry James, and, mm-hmm. and have they heard about The Turn of the Screw? Yep. Um, I'll mention it, but I'm not going to be like, you have to read this book. It's, yeah. uh, it's hard. This is probably the hardest book I've read in a very long time. Even like... Uh... I'm always thinking about A Clockwork Orange. That book left a pretty profound impact on me, just in every single way. And it's one of my favorite books still, you know, second book we ever covered on the podcast. Um, And that book is almost entirely written out in, like, a made-up language. But that is still a hundred times easier to comprehend than this one. You know, it's obviously just how things are written out and how the author goes about spelling the story out for you, I guess, or not spelling the story out for you, should I say? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Clockwork Orange is interesting because we could figure out as we go and then turn of the screws like a dang Sudoku puzzle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess the, the last thing I'd like to uh, cover on my end is, uh, the title, The Turn of the Screw. Well, what, is, what does that mean? What is, what's going on there? Well, when you think of The Turn of the Screw, it's like, huh, what's going to happen on the next turn here? You know, we're waiting. We're waiting for some type of climax. And with this one, it's just kind of, from the very beginning, we get this uneasy feeling, and it just kind of like slowly builds up and slowly... Um, we get to see the governess just fall more into madness. And yeah, that that's why I think of the title. It's just this huge buildup. And then we get Miles and the poor guy just dies yeah. out of nowhere. Um, well, for one, I must have mentioned this already, but the reason I picked this one for my choice was because of the title, because... The turn of the screw just has a very distinct ring to it, but I think that that may be um, about an, uh, as obvious an answer for anything in this book I could think of is that the governess is literally just 
you know, the screw just keeps on turning bit by bit, but the pressure or whatever and the winding up of it just eventually obviously gets to be way too much. And maybe that's maybe that's got nothing to do with it. I know that it's used a few times through the book. And I definitely, once again, didn't understand how it was intended to be used in the context it was. But, um, yeah, you just keep ratcheting it up. And we see her, once again, slowly deteriorate more and more as the pages, you know, drag by. Yeah, the the only mention I remember is the very end. I believe the governess is like, <laughs> now this is my very simplistic, explain like I'm five uh, explanation of what she says, but she's just like, this dang house is just like the turn of the screw, you know? It just keeps on getting crazier and crazier. Oh, so, that's so interesting. I love the title. Is there any... um? other topics you wish to talk about with this book um i still really like the idea of the story kind of making you think more about yourself than what's actually laid out on the pages i can't honestly think of any other specific examples of um a phrase that could be taken in many different ways but with everything written out so vaguely, you can definitely... I mean, you know, there's a lot of books uh, we've talked about before where we both came away from it at the end with completely different, obviously, takeaways for the whole thing. You love the main character, I hated him. This book is just completely different in that way. You know, we're still coming away from it, um, looking at it differently, but with everything spelled out, well, pretty much everything being left up to your imagination you come away from it you know having a even tougher time deciphering anything even if once again this book obviously wouldn't work at all if it was written out with like a specific intent and stuff like that but compared to a book with a very open and shut story it's just uh i really like that yeah yep i went into this book you know wasn't a feminist whatever but now i came out now i'm a full-blown feminist you know break down the glass ceiling uh all that oh yeah no jk um, oh I, I support the feminist movement there we go Be before and after this book maybe even a little bit more after this book very nice so, thank you henry thank you thank henry. you henry james yep henry you're an ally yep I couldn't, you know, and that's one thing about Henry. I couldn't really find any bad things about old Henry. Hey! He's just kind of a quiet old man uh, and that lived not like a... He didn't have an exhilarating life or anything. Didn't really have too many controversies. controversies. He just uh, got in touch with his feminine side a little bit and uh, wrote some... Really confusing literature. Yeah. And is that a crime? <laughs> nope. I mean, it may be like a crime to the brain, but I don't think that people can be, like, charged for that. Plus, he's dead anyway, so, you know, what can you do? Yep. Or is he? Oh. 
It's always a plus to hear that someone just lived a fine life free of controversies, especially after covering, of all books, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, learning that Roald Dahl was a horrible racist. So it's always a plus to know that um, some of these authors at least... Yeah, once again, didn't live live, lives packed to the brim with controversy. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Henry, he was just living, you know. He was just living. (sighs) He was. So. But yeah, for Turn of the Screw, I think we've tried to cover as much as we could to our extent of knowledge and how we interpret it. Maybe you guys completely interpret it differently and let me tell you that is completely fine you know this is there's no way there's no right way to interpret it so that's all i got how about you Mm, we'll be back next week covering a little bit of edgar Allan poe just a little short episode covering a few of his stories. That'll be a, kind of an interesting departure, especially after such a grueling series, in my opinion. Mm. Um, at least, I mean, those may be kind of tough to read, but I'm looking forward to it because I haven't dipped into any Poe since high school, probably. And, um, well, I mean, we're still on this horror kick, and I just, I can't get enough of it, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, horror's fun. It's a lot of fun. And uh, Edgar Allan Poe, he's got a lot to do with uh, how horror evolved, So, especially in America. Wonderful. One of the uh, few renowned uh, American Gothic writers. So. I suppose plenty of the other ones we've talked about have been from different countries. Yep. A um, lot of England. A lot of England. It's almost like it's rainy there. And very dark. Yeah, the gloom <laughs> brings it out. Yeah. <sighs> wow, that's very that's super interesting. What was the guy's name who wrote Jekyll and Hyde again? Robert Stevie Stevenson. I think he was from England, wasn't he? He was from Scotland, or I guess I should say the UK. Yep. So there's a lot of lot of inspiration from Scotland. Cool. Um, and. Yeah, Britain and all the all those areas. So yeah, I know that along with Poe, the only other guy, the only other American horror writer that we've covered up to this point would be H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. But I don't think Mary Shelley was from America. I think she was from. Oh, she must have at least been from Europe because she was always out traveling and seeing those wonderful vistas. Yep, she she was from England, and then Henry ah. James, he was he was born in America, but he kind of he wanted to be more English than anything. Interesting. So, yep, he lived there, but you know, getting the best of both worlds, I guess. Oh, baby. But, yep, and uh, yeah. So for next week's episode, we'll go over a few Poe poems and just kind of talk about his life because his life is pretty tragic. Uh, and has a lot to do with how how crazy his writing is. So yeah, very appropriate. Yep, and uh, thank thank you guys for listening as always. Um, and to all the mothers out there, 
I hope you guys had a great Mother's Day. Me too. And uh, yeah, you guys are doing a great job out there. To you know, but we we've said it before. This is uh, this podcast is for the moms. And I've probably said it before too, but when you think about it, could you really be here without a mother? Nope. Think about that, it. That's the thing. You can't make a podcast if you don't have uh, if you didn't Someone have to a birth mom. you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. Instagram is the Bad Apple Book Club. Thanks for listening. Yep. Bye bye. <laughs>